Welcome to the Ramble Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Primus, father, entrepreneur, filmmaker, athlete, hopeful writer, and dedicated wanderer. I'm curious to learn more about how people live their lives, their struggles, and passions, and pains. So every week, with athletes, entrepreneurs, healers, adventurers, and beyond, I'm going to have unbound and uncensored long-form conversations about people, places, pursuits, and performance. Enjoy. All right. Today I have Corey Primus with me. That name sounds familiar. It's <laughs> because it's my dad. Born in Leroy, Saskatchewan, Corey Primus now lives in Vancouver, BC. Well, just just outside of Vancouver, BC. From his early days on a compilation record for 1040 Kicks, that's CKXY Radio with his song Alien, Corey's artistic journey now uh, includes musical milestones such as opening for Canadian rock legend Burton Cummings as well as international recording artist Paul Jans to opening the Western Canada Summer Games with his song The Way. I kind of butchered your intro, Dad. I'm sorry, but that's you will forgive me of all my guests, I hope. We're balancing out having mom on. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna refer to you as Corey as best I can, but the audience now knows you are you are my dad, and there's a number of reasons why I wanted to chat and have you on, not just because I had mom on, okay. <laughs> and not that you give a shit anyway, whether or not whether or not mom was on. Um, but hey, I'm just curious are you are you in fast right now, or are you? Am are I you asking? Are you still? No, fine? not not right now at this moment. No, I wasn't sure. Yeah. I never know oh, I, with yeah. you because you're like. So you are a man of incredible discipline, and you you fast. You eat very very clean, often just raw veggies. Um, you hardly touch coffee, if at all. You hardly touch alcohol, although a little bit. Mm-hmm. You exercise, and it's just, I'm just, I'm like a degenerate compared to you. <laughs> I, I don't know, I think you're more of an inspiration. <laughs> if, you, if you tear it apart, you're more of an inspiration. So, But where does that, where does that come from, this commitment to really clean, healthy living? Mm, that's a good question. Uh, I, I think part of that is... Is that just something, is that a program that I have, which is, um, is that, yeah, is that okay? Part of a program that I have, subconscious, right? Which is a big topic, which mm-hmm. I think we've touched on, you and I, mm-hmm. outside of this. What programs do we have? And I don't know where I would have gotten the program for fitness, pers- well, maybe partially from your mom, mm-hmm. you know, she was into fitness. And certainly my parents weren't, so I didn't, I wasn't programmed with that as a child, but uh, dad was a hard worker. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would have been programmed in, um, and my brothers and so forth. So, so the whole, but the whole clean thing, I, part of that came into from, I, I think, from my, from my faith mm-hmm. from a young age where I delved into Christianity and uh and the cleanliness was a big part of that as well. I know a lot of Christians don't eat like you. <laughs> no, I know, but that's <laughs> but, for me. For me, when I yeah. when I when I got into it, when I I mean, I was raised Catholic, you know, left the Catholic Church, and and got into uh, the Protestant side of things, the fundamental side of of Christianity, of faith. Uh, for me, it was like something in me said, I gotta do this the best I can do it. And what does that mean? What is in clean living, you know, like what, what, what am I called to do? 
And so how do I live clean? You know, is alcohol a part of it? And, Mm -hmm. and so early on, I, whatever the programming was, it was, that was a part of it is how do I, how do I do this the best I can do it cleanly? Mm -hmm. And when you're talking about programming, you're talking about what you have learned from society, from family, from people that you admire sort of wiring you to be a certain way or are you because I've I think you mentioned it saying that that programming is is also intuitively sorry not intuitively divinely called through a higher power saying this is how you should show up yeah well I think I think the 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 divine part of it is in all of us it, uh, the, but the programming thing has the biggest impact. How are we programmed from, uh, and this is the work of Bruce Lipton um, on the subconscious and Jason Kristoff, uh, powerful, powerful stuff, how we actually operate in our lives. And that is through the subconscious. How is, and the subconscious, um, which runs <clears throat> like 95% of the time, which is a lot, but we're at the mercy of those programs. What were we taught from zero to seven? What did we see our parents doing? And, and that was a huge impact, for better or worse, right? Mm-hmm. right? But then what continues to program us after that? Television, media of, of, uh, of all types, and, and our environment and so forth. And what do we choose to program with, which is through habit forming, yeah, there's three there's three types that I'm aware of, uh, and again, this is the work of Bruce Lipton. It, I'm, you know, I'm only mildly touching on it, but uh, there's hypnosis, which is like the first seven years. We're in an alpha state, and we're absorbing everything that's in our environment. Huge responsibility for parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I missed the mark on that one. I think. well, we all do, right? <laughs> I, because, but once we become aware, we change that. Uh, so the first, the zero to seven is, is for children is an alpha state where they're just taking it all in, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the first part of programming. The second part is through habit forming. So if we choose to, to uh, ingrain a habit through repetition, that becomes part of our life as well. So um, whatever m- makes us make that choice to do that, uh, I, I, I won't get into that. But then there's the, um, what do they call it, super learning which is I've recently been uh, reading about, and uh, there's a guy named Rob Williams, and it, his take on it is called Psych K, and that's rapidly changing our programming through, it's a kind of a, I don't know how to describe it, a physiological way of integrating left and right brain. But that, again, it's all about programming, mm. getting it into the subconscious, which is where we run from 95% of the time. Whenever we go into thinking mode, we shut down our conscious mind and we're running on autopilot, which is what allows us to drive a car from A to B without thinking about it most of the time, right? We're running on that autopilot. So all of that stuff that's in that vast storehouse of the subconscious is programmed in there one way or another. Mm-hmm. And it's all in there. Yeah. It's like the hard drive, right? It's, yeah, like, the, yeah. it's like the operating yeah. hard how do drive, we right? Pull, how do we pull it out? But what's in our hard drive? And we don't know that it's informing for better or worse, so much of how we're showing up in the world. Bad decisions we're making, good decisions we're making. Yeah, we don't necessarily know what, where those programs came from because they're, they're being forced upon us in many ways mm-hmm. through the media. Uh, no, no offense to agency <laughs> media here. <laughs> those bastards. But, 
But, you know, so much of it came that way because we were all raised with television, right? Yeah. And, and there was a very, there's a very much an intent behind mm-hmm. what's given to us that way for better or worse mm-hmm. again. But, and so if we go through me seeing you through your life, you were, I, I like to, like a first responder in a way, or or not even a first responder. You were sort of a trailblazer in a way. So we we lived in a small town, and you know you're biking to work long before biking to work is popular in in the West. Like long before, right? Like you're there's no bike lanes. You're the only asshole out there on a bike, right? In your in your like rubber outfit because you're trying to yeah. you know, keep keep dry. You're into yoga. When it's like VHS, it's they're not yoga classes in our community. Just, you're yeah. literally doing it from a VHS of some lady at how you came to the biking, how you came to the yoga. You had this Buddhist phase. And I don't want to use the word phase as, as in it was kind of uh, trendy or whatever. The point I'm making is you were there early, early before... The, there was this popularized spiritual um, movement, or the Eastern philosophy started to take away, for, or take away, chip away at, at sort of Western, a more Western religious hold on on uh, our Western societies here. So you were in all these things really early. Like, so where does that is that, is this in your programming that you're talking about? Why are you, and how are you stepping into these things? so early like what's driving that 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 might be a a mystery now i mean now that i'm confronted with that question why did i i i guess the thing was is is the seeking portion of it like Mm -hmm. i i can i know in hindsight that i was a seeker uh which i think is a good thing i mean that's a that's a huge thing especially you you know you think of the scripture uh seek ye first the kingdom of god right so that was a big part of it is what does that mean to to seek that out, and how does that play play out in my life? So that thing, for for whatever reason, was was there, and I, I I'd, I'd have to maybe break that down myself and and analyze why that was there. But it was there to seek. Thus, when I was, what was it, sixteen or whatever, when I I started to question the Catholic Church, right, and and uh, and started to to read the Bible more and and. I was seeking, so it something was driving me to do that, and and not just to do it, but you know, uh, you kind of end up like like one of the prophets in the Old Testament, right? Like it's now I I got to talk to people about it too. I have to mm-hmm. tell people, right? And so I engaged my family, all my siblings in in that as well. You know, we have to look at this. This is important, and we have to look at. The Catholic Church in, versus in that the moment Church. it was the Catholic. Yeah, it was yeah. there's something wrong here? And uh, uh, what was wrong with the Catholic Church? And at that time, what were you seeing as? Well, I I need to to shepherd my family from the Chris uh, from the Catholic Church to the Christian faith. Sorry, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, the, the two streams are uh, Catholicism and uh, Protestantism, right? Mm. And that was the whole, if you dig into the Reform, where uh, Martin Luther nailed his uh, tenants. Well, I forget the, the terminology. Was there but seven of them or something? Yeah, he yeah. nailed them to the door of the church or whatever. So he was breaking away. He believed that people should have access to the Bible, have direct access to God, whereas the Catholic Church was is very much a middleman. Mm-hmm. We have the... Which then touches into the whole secret society or secret information all the time, mm-hmm. which is goes way back where there was always an elite who believed that they had to control the the uh, the sacred knowledge and the profane, the masses, uh, would be given some semblance of it to to play. Yeah, I mean, with. and that's and everyone everyone knows that to a degree, just through I shouldn't say everybody, but I don't know. How long ago was it when there was that boom of of the, when the secret came out and all of a sudden because it was a reinterpretation of. Wallace T. Waddle's book. You mean Napoleon. the book, The Secret? Yeah, the yeah, book, The yeah. Secret, and it was like Waddle's T. Waddle's. I, I can't remember what his book was, but you know, Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill, yeah. Charles Hanel, The Master Key System. And there was a few of these mental chemistry, and all of a yeah. sudden it was like this. Well, you can have whatever you want if you think it, yeah. and this has been the secret knowledge that has been kept from you, and and that was, you know, everyone sort of accepted. Or many people accepted that as, yeah. oh, yeah, that was kept from me because I wasn't told yeah. that I could do whatever I wanted to do or be whatever I wanted to be unless I had like an eccentric uncle or mentor friend who yeah. broke the norm that I was otherwise being crafted, in, the mold I was being crafted in. So, I, you know, that's just a, a digression. But you go back to what you're saying is that I guess that's, I'm just saying that when you, when you framed it as that's always kind of been there. It's been there on so many fronts. Yeah. It's like everyone goes into this box and then a few of us get to go into this box and live the lives of our dreams and have yeah. all the money and this and that. <clears throat> well, and it, it's, it's, I mean, the, the secret touched a lot of, of nerves because it was this idea of I can have, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's still, it taps into the greed in us. Whereas the seeking portion of it Whereas I, I want to know the truth. That's a whole not. That's another thing, right? Because the truth. Um, I was listening to a podcast actually on Veritas. I don't know if it's Veritas Radio or whatever, but Neil Kramer, who I've talked to you about before, and I was just listening to this the other day, and he's talking about truth, and the truth that is is like a sword, right? This the mm-hmm. the sword, literally the word, the sword, um, and it's divisive. And so when we're actually hungry for the truth, as appealing as the secret is that we could maybe have better affluence, and there's, there's something about that with the subconscious as well, like if we've been programmed with a poverty mindset, there's a truth to that, and can I change that programming so that I don't have this poverty mindset that my subconscious will actually aid me in living a, a more affluent life? So what is playing out in my 3D reality, and how does that pertain to this stuff that's in my subconscious mind so so there's an element of that like this this kind of programming but but in really seeking the truth we're also facing the dark nights of the soul Mm -hmm. you know of whatever the reality is and uh uh and that can become very divisive which is and that takes a whole different level of choice to say i want to follow the truth even if it means division you know, like in from in, if you look in scripture, it talks about 
uh, father will be divided against son. Um, Jesus, these are the words of Jesus that uh, do not think that I came to bring peace, but I came to bring division. Uh, uh, I forget if he says a sword, uh, but division and dividing. Because when you start to dig into the truth, it's not always pleasant, Mm -hmm. especially when you look at now, again, you can look at it this, this in another way, uh, the work of Jason Kristoff, for example, and he talks about how much we've been programmed by the elite to be the way we are. And when we start to understand that and decide, well, I don't want to be, um, I don't want to be that program. I want to yeah. be, I want to know what the truth is. Well, that can be very, um, be very divisive, right? When when you confront other people with that, like uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of a good example of that. But anyway, the, when yeah, when you dig into the truth, well, we can see it all the time with stuff that's happened over the last few years. It was a huge example of mm-hmm. that. It was the the greatest example uh, of that that division. Mm-hmm. People believing what we were believing about health, what we were believing about um, sickness, mm-hmm. uh, and everything. So it was a huge division, and yet. It's more than ever. People have a kind of, they've dove in and, and are, are looking for the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, thus a program like Veritas uh, Radio, whatever it's called, I forget, sorry. but um, Or Rumble or whatever. Rumble, yeah. any of them. Yeah, they're, 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 they're saying they're going down that path of um, let's find out the actual truth, not just what's pleasing and helps us to go along to get along, mm-hmm. uh, but so what's really. I want to go down that that path. But before I want to just take it back to the question I asked, which was just what was the thing (laughs) taking, say, where you needed to to shepherd your family away from the Catholic Church towards the Christian Church that was was getting to you, that you were seeking, getting at you? You, So what was the thing? Uh, Well, again, I I, I don't know the origin of for me, the, the the need to seek, mm-hmm. uh, the desire to seek, um, which I, it, you know, if it's just a God given thing, that's great anyway. Mm-hmm. And I'm just glad that I have stayed attuned to that need, and that led me in that uh, away from the Catholic Church and, and into the Christian faith at that time. And I did feel a need, and I think it seems to me that it's part and parcel with it. When I mean you or anybody, when you if you discover something that feels um, life-changing, like like really, really important, you want to share that with the people you love. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe with everybody, but certainly with the people you love. Like, um, And we were all Catholic at the time, right? Mm-hmm. And so it was like, wait a second, we're involved in this organization which has got some extremely questionable practices. And uh, and there's there's a lot that doesn't seem right about it. And uh, so I, I mean, I, yeah, I followed that and I felt the need to share it with the, with the people that were close to me. Mm-hmm. And that, like, do, do you feel like when you're doing that for someone who's listening and is like, yes, I need to, I feel something like I need to share the truth, my understanding of the truth, my understanding of my faith, whatever that is. And I need to sort of evangelize that with my family, with my friends, with my YouTube following. Where, where is like, is there an acceptance with, I need to share it because I, I, I will feel some sort of guilt or res- failure if I don't share it, but sharing it without the expectation that 
somebody's going to necessarily convert or mm-hmm. agree or yeah. you know completely disagree with you in a confrontational kind of way like where do you take when you're when you when you have this message that you want to share um because and, and, and where i'm going with that is just to a parent later but for now let's just talk about you know, you think the role of sharing something that's like that, but that's not everyone might agree with. Well, that's, I mean, it's interesting because it's, and I guess it's complex because on one hand, if, if there's something, something truthful happening or, and, 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 or there's some obvious thing wrong going on and you want to share it, you feel like you want to share it from, from a truth point of view, that in itself seems like a noble thing. Mm-hmm. But then there's all this other, again, programming of, Am I coming plum- from a place of insecurity? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are my motivations for? for like, do for, I need somebody to believe this for me to actually exactly? Believe it? Do yeah. I need validation yeah. in what I'm believing? And that's all part of it. And that's part of my own journey, be it dark or light. You know, I, addressing my own darkness is how much of that is my own insecurity? How much do I need validation in what in what I'm um, in what I'm pursuing and in what I'm trying to share? Versus, is it just the right thing to do? And, and I think, and there again, I've seen both, I've seen both paths. Certainly recently in the last few years, there's again, probably through some of Christoph's work, you know, it's like, go up, once you see, once you see what's wrong or, and what's apparently right and, and uh, you need to share this with people so people have a chance to, to wake up to it, right? Everybody's mm-hmm. talking about waking up. There, so there's that, there's that you need to share it as well. And at this, I probably been back and forth on this through my life as the other the other thing is and I and I think Neil Kramer might have said it is uh, to some degree although he does share his information but to some degree it's just like you just live the best you can mm-hmm. you live I don't want to say my truth because I think there are absolute truths I don't like necessarily like the idea of my truth that, that we all get to have our own truths we're trying to get at the truth not mine versus yours but so there is an uh, there is an element or or a, a decision to just live that the best I can and let you know and not feel a need to evangelize it mm-hmm. and and preach it to people and so there's it's a bit of a, a quagmire actually sometimes because if you think about it if you if if you are on on a path and you are looking for the truth and digging things up and finding things like I had had found at the time about early on about the Catholic Church, there's that quagmire of, do I just leave the church and mm-hmm. do my own thing? Or do I try and share that, which I think is valuable information? Mm-hmm. But knowing knowing along the way, like sort of the two, the two ways that I think about that are first being, well, once you've found the truth, you've then put the, the truth in a box and there's no more seeking. There's no more of that what seems like our innate curiosity as human beings is to, to to seek out answers to questions. But then once we say we have the answer, well, now we're in a box and that seems counterintuitive to the seeking. You know, the, the, is there a there there in that regard? Uh, and, you know, having the iterations of where you've taken your faith, right? And And I think that the idea of faith implies not absolute because you're taking yeah. it on faith. You're not, and there is this, 
therein therein lies the strength. It's like what Jordan Peterson says to Sam Harris, who Sam Harris being the the atheist end of mm-hmm. faith. He's a smart guy, really, really inspiring guy to listen to on a lot of topics, but you know, him and Jordan bang heads on this one. And I can't remember the question that leads into it, but but essentially Jordan Peterson's answer is I act as if I do know the answer. I act in other words, faith. Yeah. I act as yeah. if I choose this as not my truth, but the truth. Okay. Yeah. I choose this. And that's how I act. I act according kind of go right back to the beginning. I act according to living healthy, to trying to make yeah, good decisions, clean living. clean living and a pure heart, right? Yeah. Like good decisions or the best decisions I can make. I act according to that because of this other thing you know, versus this is it. This is there. We've, we've found it. And, and I think there's a, you know, because again, for you, the Christianity, sorry, the call the Catholicism to the Christianity to what I understand for you now is a bit of a reframe on it all, mm-hmm. still within the lens of Christianity, right? But a yeah, reframe you, that would be the easiest, yeah. And it's a re- it's a reframe through Neville Goddard, right? Or is that yeah? Is through, that, is that, uh, that was a a big part of it. And, um, his his um, apparently he seemed like a bit of a lone wolf with his philosophy his teaching but that definitely had a big it just it was a different uh uh interpretation uh, more of a parabolic i don't know if metaphysical allegorical take on scripture in general that it's not scripture is not secular history it's spiritual history it's salvation history Mm -hmm. that the 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 messages are all hidden in the stories it's 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 history in parable is what you're saying it's not literal history yeah it's okay yeah Let's, um, it's, it's universal because it's, it's applicable yeah. in the moment right now to all of us. Mm-hmm. The, all the messages, all the, I guess you could say archetypes, mm-hmm. or he, would, he referred to them as states, like Moses and Abraham being states that we are in. Uh, Moses was about uh, being born, mm-hmm. and uh, Abraham was, I guess, like, more, like a father and, and so forth, that they were all states. And I'm not sure if that translates to archetypes exactly, or but it feels like it does. So, so the so the the question was then yeah. the 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 iterations of your own journey in faith, and then contrasting that to what Christoph is saying, whereas you have your truth, you need to share your truth, and there's probably an absolute truth. You know, you you dig up something. Where do you, you know, what's the message to somebody who's listening and they're locked in on something and and then you look back through the history of your life and you're like well you know i i there was Mm -hmm. a lot of different uh, paths that i followed to be where i am today and and by default they're not by default but likely there will be more paths that i follow or no yeah uh, well uh, tying back to what you said earlier about thing going into a box like truth it's it's only it's 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 the onion metaphor right mm-hmm. we're only peeling it back and there are some things that are obvious like well, I, I don't know maybe this is too simplistic craft dinner is not a healthy food we might eat craft dinner but it's not like so we can easily define don't food shame people dad <laughs> okay, don't, that, don't fucking food that, shame people on my podcast i will oh, not tolerate i'm kidding you craft okay. dinner is dog you shit. eat all the craft dinner you <laughs> it's want. dog shit well i mean but there are there are there are what so what we're trying to arrive at 
certain truths, and but yeah. it, it's not, and it's not an easy thing. And you're right. I I did. I left the church. I I I went and experienced the fundamental churches, the the Protestant type churches. Is that where we went as um, kids? No. That was no. well. Yeah, that was me on my own prior to you guys. We right. so, well because we ended up. I mean, if you want to know that journey, we. Your mom and I left the, the Catholic Church, and uh, but my it was my own individual experience to to go and attend these other fundamental type churches because they were supposedly Bible related, you know, or oriented. And but I found so much garbage there as well, to be honest, <laughs> that I realized this still is not right. So yeah, I can. It was a it was a journey, and uh, and I did end up. Uh, looking at the the tenets of of buddhism never never wanted to be a buddhist per se but i thought okay there's still some some seemingly good stuff here and uh and so yeah just always searching and um for what is the 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 deepest truth but that didn't change earlier things like when i realized i'm not to harp on the catholic church but those things that i that i that i know that i realized then that i found out about they're still true that the the deception and the mm-hmm. you know the deep corruption well it's it's that's all over the news a lot of the deep yeah, corruption yeah, yeah. right that's that hasn't they changed a, they have a pr problem that's they for have sure. a yeah <laughs> so that hasn't changed so that that um, you could say that is a box of mm-hmm. truth but but that's only part of it so it's not i'm not stuck in that box spending the rest of my life uh, decrying the the catholic church i'm still on my journey of okay is it is it in the Christian Church then? Will that where I where I've experienced God better there in a fundamentalist paradigm, and so I went through that. And the thing is, is that I guess the 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 thread through it all is seek first the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. um, and if we're doing that, hope that should drive us in um, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and so that should should drive us uh, on our search in a good way, in a positive way. And yes, we will experience different things. As you said, I I found myself kind of back in a Christian paradigm again because it was the best way to identify what I was experiencing inside. It was the best way to identify it. Interestingly, too, to whatever degree this was prophetic, a, a friend of mine who we were in a Christian band early on, Wayne, mm-hmm. Wayne Morgan, he said to me at one point, after I had kind of been through a lot of this journey, he said to me, he said, you know what I think is going to happen to you? He said, I think you're going to come back to the to Christianity or the Christian church, however he worded it. Uh, it's going to be different, but he said, but you're going to come back to it. And he and that, and that is what happened, but not to the point where I could ever sort of engage in, in the Christian church per se again uh, and attend a church. Yeah. There was, yeah. And so the whole Neville Goddard thing was... Very different take. Most of what he talks about, talked about, he passed away in 72, would be considered uh, heresy mm-hmm. by the uh, fundamental church today. And yet, here I am, listening to this feeling like this seems more right. Mm-hmm. You know, there seems to be... Some, and some of his stuff, to qualify, did touch on the secret on that whole that whole mm-hmm. aspect of things, but he called it the law of assumption. Is that is that kind of course of miracles esque, where it's t- also touching on uh, the secret, but through a Christ- <clears throat> Christian lens? Maybe I I, I I read the course in miracles, but I I don't 
really remember it. Right. I, I don't. I didn't sort of stick with it and and apply it. But there was so many because, as you said, like you that whole idea of the secret or that missing piece that we weren't all informed about. That goes back a long way too. You take go to Napoleon Hill, but then you go back to James Allen as a man. Oh, thinketh. James as a man thinketh is great. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, but this goes all the way back. He's this, the OG, isn't he? He's like the first book of that. Uh, it could be. Could be. There may be some other ones, but I, I think. Mean, you might say the Bible's the, the OG of that, but... Well, there's... But, uh, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, because interestingly, I think, and that was something that, that Neville talked about, is that that is the greatest book. Mm-hmm. And that so... You can go and delve into all this other stuff, like what Christoph is talking about, what Bruce Lipton is talking about, all these different things about the subconscious, and you can you can tie that back into into Scripture. The, the, yeah, and that, and that comes to... It's the it could be the greatest book depending on how you interpret the book and act on your interpretations of yeah, the book. Because yeah. it can also, in the duality of how we show up, you might do some pretty nasty things in the name yeah. of that. And, and nasty things have been done. Yeah. And so I want that. to yeah. I want to I want you to to dive into Neville before we move on to you know, the next thing I want to chat about. But just from the standpoint of we are likely in a post-secular moment, right? So, you know, we had this very technocratic 20 years, right, where books like Sam Harris's End of Faith and Christopher Hitchens, um, I'm not sure what the name of his book was, but he was he was a very popular atheist. These people were celebrities, are celebrities, and... I think it's God is not great. God something? is not great, right? Richard... Oh, that's Richard. Richard Dawkins' oh, okay. God is not great, I think. Okay. And then you have, so you have everyone, you know, myself included, where it's, you know, I, I would have considered myself an atheist, um, an, an arrogant asshole atheist from in my early 20s, right? The know-it-all kind of vibe. And technology will solve all problems. The technocratic worldview, like we don't need anything but technology. And that resulted in this tech overlord monopolization of literally most of what we touch in our lives other than you know ourselves the kingdom inside of us where when you mentioned the last couple of years all of a sudden people are like wait a second something about this doesn't feel very right and it was already happening before that and there was you know the yoga boom the plant medicine boom where people were were Early on, you know, now it's sort of microdosing and it's productivity and anti-anxiety and mental health. But that was at the beginning; it was very spiritually driven. If you're if you're doing a plant medicine with a, with a shaman, it is a spiritual process. It is not about just getting something done or being creative or dealing with your anxiety. There, there is a very holy and spiritual component to it. And so you're seeing all this, and you're seeing many of these Eastern philosophies, many of these shamanic practices, all of these things kind of maturing and people losing faith in this this technocratic worldview and thus coming back to spirituality. Inside that umbrella is Christianity as well, right? People coming back to that. And so what is the what is the takeaway for someone, sorry, not the takeaway, what is the way that somebody should look at this if they are in that journey, and Neville Goddard is the person that you're saying, hey, whether you're a Christian or a Catholic or this or that, 
here's, a, here's an individual you should at the very least listen to. Here's why. And why is that for you? Is that a fair way of phrasing that question? <laughs> I, mean, what, I, I yeah. guess the simplest thing is, is just talk to me about the experience, that, the change of thought and perspective that you've had under listening to Neville and reading Neville, I assume. Yeah. Well, uh, the continuity, uh, I think it was the continuity. Uh, Neville had two, two things, and he called it the law and the promise. That, that's what the Bible was, was about. The scripture, as is referred to in the New Testament, was the Old Testament. That's why it's Judeo-Christian. Christianity, or the New Testament, is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. So everything that is referred to by Christ, he said, I came to fulfill scripture, which means he came to fulfill everything out of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so there's this, uh, so there's the Bible, and, and in, in listening to, oh yeah, the law and the promise. The law, according to Neville, is about how we, I guess, how we create. And there's, there's all kinds of examples of that in the Bible, references like Noah and his sons, and, and that the whole symbology of that, of Noah being the father and the one son being the, like the manifestation, the other son being the um, vehicle for that manifestation, and the other son, Ham, I think, the oldest maybe, being the physic, physical reality of that vision because everything starts with a with a vision right Mm -hmm. like uh anything anything that's created was at one time just an idea are you quoting peter gabriel yeah well whoever he was (laughs) quoting right uh, it was all just an image uh, a picture in somebody's head but that's that's a deep truth right and again scripture says in the beginning uh was the word the word was with god and the word was god through him all things were made and without him was not any, I'm, I'm quoting this poorly, but not, there was nothing made that was made. It mm. all came from, from a word, which is kind of the outward expression of the thought, right? So all of, all of creation, and we, and we like see that. Om? Om? Um, the first sound. I mean, that's well. A, uh, that, that would yeah. be like a vibrational kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, we can talk. You know, well, yeah. I couldn't talk about, but talk about vibrations and high vibrations yeah. and so forth. But the idea of the of, so we, we see that through human beings, we see that through ideas. Like everything was an idea, whether it was a new invention or whatever. And uh, one of the things I think, yeah, Neville talks about it was that creation is finished. So what we think of as new creations, we're already there. They just come to us uh, mm. from, from this uh, connection of mind or the subconscious where we're all ultimately connected, which it, he would say is God. The human imagination is God. And that's not degrading God. That's just recognizing that that is our connection to God through, through this. Is through that the only connection or is that one connection? Well, that's the spiritual connection. Because this is the physical manifestation, but what is this, the spiritual aspect of it that is mm-hmm. uh, the imagination? Yeah, so everything comes from that, from the imagination. And this was the, um, uh, I, I'm probably talking myself in circles a bit here, but this is the, the beauty of Scripture, the way he related to it. The law and the promise is the law being us engaging in that process of, of creation, of of, of picturing something and and uh, 
the process of believing it into being and seeing it in a physical 3D reality. And interestingly, and hopefully I don't get myself too lost here, uh, in Bruce Lipton's work, you know Bruce Lipton. Yeah, the name. Yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's a science guy. He's, mm-hmm. he's a legitimate scientist. But he talks about the, um, I think, the biology of belief. And he's also a big Psych K guy with Vivaya Robert Williams. Robert Williams, uh, who, yeah, we won't get into that. But anyway, Bruce Lipton talks about the science portion of it. And that the I, because we had these ideas of, I guess it's called the ramble, so I'll, I'll ramble mm-hmm. a bit here. You're loud. <laughs> so we have these ideas of genetics. And, well, you're going to get cancer because it's genetic your parents got it or whatever that with that we're bound and fixed into certain things that we can try to live a healthy lifestyle to combat it but certain things are going to happen but his work shows that that's not the case that we can actually change the uh, the genetics and the dna through belief through perception mm-hmm. through through programming and here we are back into the subconscious mm-hmm. programming the subconscious through one of these means of hypnosis, like mm-hmm. the alpha state f- children are in, or through habit forming, or, or through the super learning, p- programming it to what we want it to be, what mm-hmm. we choose it to be. But so he shows actually from a scientific point of view how it, it actually, we, can, we do that, and that it's based on ultimately belief. Mm-hmm. So, so that we can do that, like, and that's phenomenal. When you so it, it's like that that's the whole quantum kind of thing I guess quantum physics and you get into that but then that just ties into the biblical stuff anyway and of creation uh, make something out of nothing right and because we are also God is that what is that why we have the capacity to yeah well uh, in the beginning uh, let us make man in our image right mm-hmm. and uh, there again that's a whole and and I don't pretend I'm not Obviously, I'm not an expert on it, but this is what's drawing me is this, mm-hmm. whenever you get into the um, talking saying, I am God, there's a big separation because Christianity doesn't like that idea. We are the sinners and, and wanting to be forgiven by God. And again, I, I think I perceive that as being a misunderstanding, right? Through Neville. What's Neville's take on <clears throat> whether or not, what's, sorry, what's Neville's take on sin? Missing the mark. Missing the mark. Uh, now, I, and I just listened to Neil Kramer, and, and he talks about sin at different levels, and he's a bit darker about it, and that we are, but we are fallen. That, that is the, the choice of, of the sons of God choosing to come live through us. So the simplest way was, Neville would say is that God became man, that man may be, become God, that God can expand because God is one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, I don't know if singularity is the right word, but it's a, it's a single thing. So how does God expand? God creates family that ultimately the goal is to create family. So we are, and, and Neil uh, Kramer would agree with this as well. This is our schoolroom. Mm-hmm. We're not just here to please ourselves the best we can while we're alive. We're here to prove ourselves as trustworthy, as steadfast, in goodness, in to become, to be a part of God's family. So the sin is to miss that mark. The miss, to miss the mark, uh, according to Neville, would be, and there, there again, here we'll get into differences like uh, desire, 
people, a lot of people would say that our desire is, is a bad thing. And certainly you can see it as that some desires, especially if your desires are kind of corrupt or dark. Mm-hmm. But overall, uh, I think Christ says it to, to, to people in, in the New Testament. You know, it's like people come to him, right, for healing or whatever. And he says, what do you want? And, and Neville's teaching would be that uh, that's, it's, that's our question. What do I want? What is my experience here while I'm here? Yes, I want to be... I want to follow the commandments in terms of love the Lord your God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. And in those two commandments, that sums everything up, right? We will only, when we recognize that we are brothers, we will only do good and want good for everybody, including ourselves. But so if we recognize that brotherhood, that we are all sons of God, and I know you had asked about, we'll get back to the, uh, the we are God thing. But when we recognize that brotherhood, then we can create and live in a, in a better way, in a, in a positive way, in a way that's enriching and, and uh, causing good growth. But the risk is, is that we are capable of everything. We're capable of the darkness too, right? Mm-hmm. So we, again, that, there's all kinds of work on looking at our, uh, at our, our shadow side or whatever. And that, but that's part of the work. We, we recognize it, we own it, but we choose... Uh, we choose goodness, and if we really want to seek the kingdom and we really want to grow a- as part of the family of God, then we we choose that. Uh, so God uh, becomes man, that man might become God, that God can grow a family, people who want to be in that that kind of an eternity. Uh, where was do you, do you remember that? that quote that Wayne Dyer made uh, referencing? Neville Goddard? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember it? You send it to me, but I can't remember. <laughs> I don't remember specifically the quote, but I remember him quoting. Yeah, he yeah. was a student of Goddard, basically. Right. Yeah, yeah self-help <coughs> guru, but student of Goddard. I, yeah. <clears throat> I, I mean, there's like l- literally so many things to that can be unpacked. <laughs> yeah. And I, exactly. I don't want to, I don't want to stay here for the whole time. Yeah. So the transition I'm going to attempt to make, and we can come back to this if you feel unfinished or unset on anything. Well, I'll, but, I'll just can yeah, I qualify please. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always going to be unfinished yeah. because it, the deeper you go, um, it's it's just there's always more questions, right? The question is, I think that the bottom line of it is, do we want to go there in a healthy, loving, uh, good way? Mm-hmm. Right, because we can we can delve into the darkness too, and we've certainly seen that. And so that would be the thing: is yeah, there's always more questions, more unpacking. Right, it's mm-hmm. God is a mystery, mm-hmm. right? And and so there's just always unpacking. But um, the the big thing would be uh, is if we're seeking God and uh, uh, seeking to be part of that family, love. I mean, God is love. Love mm-hmm. is God. That's a huge piece of it, right? The only not mystery is that craft dinner is bad for you. That's the only not mystery. <laughs> well, no, no, no. There's, there's other ones. We could, we could get into those too. But, uh. but the, so, because I wanted to go back to that. I was going to say sugar, but I yeah. thought, okay. Well, I'm, sugar is a, yeah. tastes so good sometimes. I know. That's right. That's it's hard to leave it behind. Desire. Yeah. I know. You're better at me at it, but I wanted to, I wanted to segue into parenting. And, yeah. you know, you mentioned these first seven years, which is interesting, and beyond that into the sort of trials and tribulations of trying to be what your children need and 
missing the mark literally all the time, at least in action, if not in intent and presence. And what I mean by that is, you know, my wife, Jan, always reminds me that just by being there, you're doing okay. <laughs> by yeah. being present for the kids, no matter how bad you fuck yeah. it up. But, you know, you had this, I, I want to know regrets and advice that you would have for, for parents who are my age or, or um, even my age being kids my age, you know, that 10, 9, 10, you know, I have a new one too, but yeah. also new. But it, and the reason I'm framing it this way is because you came to me a couple of years ago and you said it, when your father had passed away and you were very much moved and in a state where you desired to have us know you mm -hmm. in a way that you felt like you didn't know your dad, if you're okay with me sharing that. And, uh, you know, so we're adults at this time. So that to me was implying that between then and, you know, when we started, there was things that you felt like you hadn't imparted or conveyed. And so it's a very broad and generalist question that I've just tried to, to frame up so that you can take it any way you want, um, you know, to, in a way that I hope others can take something away from, mm -hmm. you know, and this personal, right? Like not a fucking self-help book, not like, you know, raising aware children or anything like that. Yeah. Just like, what is the honest truth to you now and at various stages? Is that too much? <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, I, I think what you mentioned about uh, Jana just showing up, that's a big part of it. And that was uh, something that I had consciously done when you guys were little in terms of, I mean, I can go back and there's so much I would have wished I had done differently, better, but uh, it's, not, it's not over yet. <laughs> I'm still breathing. <laughs> but um, just, and, and again, I, you know, my dad did, did the best he could and I, you know, what love him dearly uh, always did I just recognized that you know like he was a bit absent because he worked out in the bush and uh, and and I, I think that was his coping mechanism was he kind of needed to be quiet and 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 be off in the bush and and uh, he just couldn't cope with having it's, all, all it, these kids it right was, and, it's funny that I'm just sorry to interrupt but like you know the more present I am the more I fuck up, I feel like the more like, the more I'm there, like look at the last three years, you know, when everyone's home and you're working from home more and then yeah. you just have more interaction and chance to say the wrong thing. And then there's all this trauma, right? Yeah. And there's all this trauma and you may have trauma, but like the way that you so fondly talk about your father, you know, not just this little snippet here but just always all your life I remember yeah but yet he wasn't there very much yeah and I was like is there a, is there like a, a strategy in that for, for all well uh, there's, <laughs> there's the, the the part of uh, you know and 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 I haven't necessarily been great at this but there's the part of adult up where it's like okay uh at, while my parents were still alive it's like I'm an adult now. They don't owe me anything. I love them the best I can. One of the <clears throat> catalysts or one of the big key things was, I think it was around the time of, of Bush, George Bush being president. First or second? Second. And my mom talked about him like 
it was a it was a great thing, right? And and this just it really bothered me. And I would enter into <laughs> conversations with her, you know. And 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 but then I I, I realized like it dawned on me that she's just doing the best she can with what she's got. And uh, uh, right or wrong, I you know I have to. I have to not expect her to b- believe everything the way that I believe it, especially now. I mean, there might be a, there might be a time when we were younger where we should be discussing things and trying to co- share good consensus about what's going on in the world. But in that at that stage for my mom, that wasn't beneficial to her. Yes, and I at the time I didn't know, but she probably had the onset of some dementia, and and she had fixed ideas too, and she could be very stubborn about certain things. But I realized I needed to shift, and I needed to just love her, mm-hmm. in gratitude for everything she had given, and um, and the same for Dad too. That I didn't have it. I'm an adult now. I'm on my journey, and I'm just grateful to them. Right. That's the thing now. For, for from here on out, I just. You know, when I see mom, it's just, um, and or dad, it's just letting them know that I love them, going out for lunch, whatever. Mom, a little trip to the casino, and, you know, she was a happy person. And so I, it, I had to shift as an adult and, and, and stop expecting something from them specifically, like I might have needed or wanted when I was younger. I mean, you just um, described how we should be for everything, our colleagues, our, our friends. This doesn't mean not to challenge people to, into growth but yeah, that accept yeah. the, the default as ex- compassionate loving acceptance yeah is the the more powerful tool yeah. and the harder one to do because it's easier to point yeah and critique yeah it's harder to do well and validation saying. too yeah. right like it's like you said like I, uh, if i have a need for validation i want to hear it from mom or dad or mm-hmm. whatever you know and Anyway, that was a, that was a conscious shift for me as an adult towards my parents. But that that was later in their in their years. So I mean, now I kind of lost where I was going with all that. But in terms of some of your your question about parenting, well, parenting was. I wanted to know the desire that you had of wanting us to know you, wanting us to know what was in your heart. Yeah, and I didn't take that as a validation thing. I took that as a a very sincere offering of please I'm here yeah you know and, well exactly because there my dad at 97 passed away and I think and I I didn't have you know I, I might not have liked what he had to say either but it just would have been nice if he had shared more right mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I have an opportunity to do that, to, I, to share. Yeah. Because, I, it w- you know, it might be that I have something of value to share. And, and that's, again, digging into the truth and, and going down that. And then there's this balance of, well, I don't want to be intrusive, you know, and they're living their own lives. And, yeah, I mean, that's, that's true. You, you're, you know, you're adults and you guys are on your own journey now, too. But we recognize now with the insanity of the world, more than ever, we do need some definitions. Yeah, we do need adults talking together to really define and and make proper stance about what's happening so there is i agree with you there and there is this really important role of the parent that i feel is being i could be wrong but it feels like it's being minimized to the role of the state (laughs) right and i don't want to go down the role of excuse me i don't want to go down the road of how the state is sticking its fingers into everything 
Because I'd love to go down. <laughs> I that know, road. <laughs> but that's a, that's another podcast. <laughs> I want to go down the road of, but why is it important for the role of the parent, and how that is a you know the the honor and responsibility of a parent who's listening to really take that on and say no, like these are my children. Yeah, and. Whether I don't have all the answers or do or think I do, I'm gonna I'm gonna show up to this mm-hmm. as best I can. And that's not really a f- fucking question, but it's. <laughs> well, it's I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> it's again. If we look at types, if we look of if we look at God as the Father, that's we want to we want to ideally to know God and we want God in our life, and, and that's a challenge because that's a mystery, but. There's the idea that the Bible would say, your will be done on earth as in heaven, but the emerald tablets would say, uh, as above, so below, you know, that that's kind of the correlation, as within, so without. So what there's are, this, can, you, can you just def- tell what the emerald tablets are, for those who don't know? Uh, what, that is from the... Uh, it's, uh, on the it's on the tip of my tongue. I know which... It's when, the yeah. book of Thoth, or Thoth? Is that the... Is that Hermes? Uh, maybe that's it. I thought there's it was, a lot of... In terms of authorship, the I, I think or the Kabbalion was the, uh, is it the Kabbalion? There's I, I've looked at it all, and there's a lot of crossover like uh, Hermes, Thoth, and and it, there was a lot of interplay in the between Greek and Egypt and these who these mythical figures were, or if they were actual figures and they turned them into mythical figures mm-hmm. after the fact, and Hermes being Thos, being the god Jupiter, you know, there was, there's so much interplay in the, in the old mystery schools and in the, in the sort of the secret societies and the religions about the crossover of all of this. And then there's a whole, there's a whole thing too of, uh, of whether or not this, this Gnostic approach and these other secret things like the Kabbalion and that are part of a, a Jesuit plan to uh, infiltrate, you know, there's a whole thing there yeah. too, right? So it gets really, it gets really heady sometimes. It's like, well, where do I go with this? Uh, anyway, sorry. That, I don't even know how to put that in the show notes. That, yeah. was, <laughs> that was so much in one, in one little Yeah, it, it was a lot and it is a lot. And yeah, but um, parenting. anyway, there was parenting yeah. and, and uh, as above, so below, maybe um, uh, you will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we think of heaven as a, as a, as a, as a, an example of, of love and goodness. And, uh, and so we model that in, uh, in our parenting, right? We, as we would want God to show up for us, we show up for our, for our children, as you said. And mm-hmm. we, uh, well, again, in the, the Bible would say, uh, you know, raise your, raise your children in the way you want them to go and they won't depart from that way. So it, that's a very much an engagement. Uh, and uh, in, the, in Deuteronomy where they say uh, the big commandment, like the most important one, is the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And, it, and then it says, goes on to say, um, talk about this uh, in your, you know, in the day and in the night, uh, when, you, when you go to bed at night, all through the day, talk about this. Ingrain this um, in, in your family. Uh, that God is uh, God is God. God is one, and that basic commandment of to love God, right? And so it talks about ingraining that. And and yes, uh, if we won't go down that road of the the state putting its fingers into the family, um, but but 
it has the the unit of the family and among other things has has been very corrupted through the last at least 100 years if not longer or whatever but um and so we've lost that uh um by and large you know we send our kids to indoctrination camps called schools and uh and they get taught things. I can't believe you sent me to one. <laughs> I know. Exactly. <laughs> you guys, and my hat's off to you guys homeschool. Absolutely. Uh, it's an opportunity to tell kids better things. You know, the things that they don't get taught in schools that, that they should know. You know, even simple things like, uh, you know, how to run a business or whatever. Or, you yeah. know, uh, really practical things like forget Canada's food guide, what food really is good for us, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so forth. There's just so many things that could be taught. But what, anyway, what, yeah, do you, so, what do you regret? What do you regret, regret? that that is something I re- that somebody could action on? I regret or I still wish that I could share it. And I've sent it, I think I've sent you a little blurb and I've sent it to your siblings as well. That role for a parent. Um, and I, I wasn't aware. I wasn't, I didn't. I was anxious, I was whatever I was. I did the best I could at the time, but in the moment when you guys were young, when we have that responsibility of, of the child, this newborn that is totally dependent on, they're gonna mimic those first seven years, they're gonna mimic what we do. Um, so we need to live the life that, we, that they, we would want them to live. And, and we need to clarify that for ourselves too, because we could say, well, I want them to, be rich and I want them to be sexy or whatever, you know, we could be totally wrong. But if we model off of a, something better, like I said, off of goodness and, and, and the idea of God's family and uh, even eternity, you know, and, and a very healthy, moral, um, better way of doing things. If we, if we modeled that if, and if we took these children um, in these first years, especially when they're really little, and uh, well, the, the big thing is they are dependent on us to know that they are safe in the world. Mm-hmm. So that's our first job, as you said, to show up. And something happens, yes, but, but I'm here and you are safe. And, and worth it. Like that, that's the idea of the presence is that no matter what they do, they're still worth your showing up. There's, yeah. still, there's still value in that. And that's yeah. not to build ego. It's to build a sense of self in them, that they yeah. are comfortable and valued you are loved yeah you are loved no matter what you do yes you are loved loved. and i am here to i'm we're here to show you that you are loved but also in that journey it's not just your physical father who uh, who loves you god loves you Mm -hmm. and and when you go out into the world you will be guided. Your intuition mm-hmm. will be healthy. Your, you know, you will have this ongoing relationship with our Father God as well, and um, so you're. They're developing this sense of trust. Yes, my parents were always there. You know, they always did the best they could, I, and I could trust them. But we've also instilled that additional mm-hmm. thing in them. That ultimately, that that better thing you know like this one there was this one uh, i forget who it was uh if it was a quote or what it was but it, it was a an, an indian uh, guru or whatever but talked about holding the child and saying you know you are you are the cosmic light you are all these really beautiful things but 
you know, and um, instilling that from them when they're when they're little, and and part of the role of the parent, of course, is discipline as well. That's part of it, and um, and that carries on with with our Creator God Father as well. You know, disciplinary action because we're we're learning, we're growing. This is a classroom, but certainly, so the introduction of us as parents, part of it is discipline, yeah. And because they're going to learn lessons the hard way anyway, like, you know, touching the fireplace we don't want them to touch and things like that. So well, yeah, part mean, of our role is is circumventing that the best we can, but always in that loving way. And and there's just, uh, there's, it, so we're still talking about sort of regrets is how do I, uh, or how could I have, uh, in not just a soppy love way, but in a, in a tough love way, but in also the gentle love way, given that even more so to, to you guys as you were growing up and, and how can parents do that now? What, um, what is the best things that I need to give my kids? You know, hard truths, sugar's not good for you, Mm -hmm. right? Whatever that thing might be, that, that's a piece of it. Um, and, and we could touch on to and jump into the whole, uh, subconscious programming thing of, of what the media, not agency media, mm-hmm. but what the media will do to our brains as well, mm-hmm. as that as the TV continues on in their life, uh, whether it should or shouldn't, right? That that piece of it as well. When you guys were were young, you remember we I I knew there was something wrong, and this was kind of this whole seeking thing, right? Like I when I thought there was something wrong with the Catholic Church, and I knew there was something wrong with with television. Certainly the advertisements were, were bad, and they're just as bad now. But So we got rid of cable television. That was a start again, but that wasn't a, the box yeah, in itself. I was so angry about that. That the wasn't the can. box in itself, <laughs> yeah. though, right? It was like, it's not just, well, it's enough to give up cable vision. The, and we don't have to go into it now. We, you, uh, we probably won't. But the whole Jason Kristoff thing is how much we are programmed by media, how much the subconscious is hacked and controlled because they know how to do it. Well, yeah. I mean, anyone who's who's kind of doing the eye roll thing now listening is like, you know, there's a reason that mental health, especially in men, is at an all-time high. There's a reason yeah. that anxiety in children is at an all-time high. Yes, the, the, the constant inundation of social media and comparison, but it's also the constant inundation of mass hysteria and fear and it, you know, it doesn't just get you when you're a kid. It can get you when you're an adult and you feel <clears throat> the instability of the world in which you live in. You feel the, oh, am I going to be able to go out today? Am I going to go out on that trip? What world is my, my children going <clears> to, <throat> excuse me, grow up in? You feel that. And if they can get you when you're 35 or 45 or 55, you know, Bet your ass they can get you when you're 16 or yeah. 13, when yeah. you're really in hormonal flux and yeah. change and everything is confusing to you. And so it's, it's very real what you're saying. And we're all been encamped, well, not all of us, but you know, many of us have been encamped into one mass hysteria versus the other. The Republicans are the, you know, and politicized. You know, one side's going to destroy the world or the other side's going to destroy the world. Or if you, you know, you look at, World Economic Forum, and it's like, well, anyone who doesn't want one world is going to destroy the world. It's all just, it's all just apocalyptic, yeah, yeah. and it's very unsettling. It's yeah. n- and it's not the reality of our human nature. And 
the world that we're living in. It is what is being sold to us, that instability. Yeah, and it's... And it's really yeah, it's it definitely been, and it's it's by design. Yeah, it's by design that because uh, again, whether or not we get into it, <clears throat> we'll call it no, empire. We keep we keep scratching on we that surface, scratching but, on, but empire or the elite, uh, these whoever these people are, this ruling families, uh, Jason Christoph would call them, and it's not hard to dig into that. But I'm not an expert in that. But but it's definitely an elite. It's a it's a a small class yeah. they have known for a long time and I, if you don't mind i will touch briefly on this the whole thing about the word media media <clears throat> me, media uh or mead i'm not sure the correct pronunciation was a was a kingdom in northern iran and so this was an actual place media and they were the, the medes and they in that culture they they discovered how to control masses of people. Uh, and it was discovered through, uh, and I'm borrowing this from Jason Kristoff, but he's researched it very in depth. Uh, they discovered through the town square, way before, obviously, way before um, uh, television or any kind of mass media, um, they discovered that if, if there was a play put on in the town square, that the people, the public would mimic it. So much so that... Um, uh, certain jewelry might sell more to the people who had the money to do that, or if if the, one of the protagonists in the play w- wore a cape, you might see people mimicking that over the next period of time. So they actually discovered this as a science and researched it, and 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 this turned into uh, something that they s- sort of sold to other kingdoms. Here's how you can control your people, mm. and this developed, and this developed through. Uh, through the um, mystery schools and the secret societies of, um, uh, of of antiquity, that because the masses we're we're the profane, the masses are the profane. How do we control the masses? Make them do what we want them to do. So this be- was very much studied and and used uh, and developed over time to the point of now. Flat fast, uh, fast forward to television. Television was designed. Uh, invented as a weapon of war. It's documented as a weapon of war. And um, so the degree of control that they could uh, usher in through this, I mean, they used newspapers and radio, and it's, it's all very controlled and contrived, uh, the messaging and the imagery. And yeah, so that, that all through history, to whatever degree they could, um, control the minds government is mm-hmm. is mind control right to govern control meant is mind so that's what it that's what it is and but it's this elite who has always kind of held this close to the chest this information which is now being more understood uh this is how they've mm-hmm. brainwashed us we've all grown up with that we didn't know it but it's not just it's not just television uh, telling us uh, some storyline. It's what we don't see. It's the imagery. It's the, um, uh, now they're changing uh, frame rates from what, 20, 24 to 48 or even faster than that, I think. And it's this bombardment of on our subconscious mind because the subconscious mind picks up at like, uh, I forget what the number is, but say the conscious mind picks up at, uh, uh, I don't know, I'm just going to pick a number because I don't know the exact number. Say it picks up at four, 4,000 bits of information per second, just as a guide, where the subconscious mind is like 40, 
40 million right. or so, right? right? right. It's just, yep. And that's the subconscious mind. You don't know it. You're, you're taking it in. Uh, what's in your environment, what's happening on the screen, right? Mm -hmm. And all of that is set up by design to influence us, to control us. And and the, the whole mystery school thing, everything was about, like if you look at in the mystery, uh, mystery schools of Egypt, uh, it's... Uh, one of the, the terms for that uh, area was, was chem, K-H-E-M, which is the, the basis of the word chemistry. And you look at their, um, their imagery, and if you look at, for example, prescription, the R with that little thing through it, well, that's the eye of Horus. And the eye of Horus is a chemist chemical formula um, that part of what they were figuring out how to use these chemicals and these different things on the masses to control them mm -hmm. shut down the frontal lobe and and put all this imaging into the uh, into the subconscious mind so we have all of these programs running we don't even know we don't we're not aware that we we acquired them through mm -hmm. television and radio and whatever music but they're there and they're they're running the show and um and we so so to that end, we we are victims of that. Yeah, and you're talking about being awake, right? That would be the po <clears throat> the popularized term for someone who is seeing this and saying, "I'm going to take autonomy of my mind back." Yeah, and like again, like obviously you've you're touching on things that are are to some people. Con very very controversial or, or whatever, but this will get us censored, will it? <laughs> no, I, they don't give they don't give a shit enough about my podcast to censor it. Um, but the uh, I think it's the uh, the extrapolation up out. So if we go back to well, obviously, media, television, news is designed because everybody has a framework uh, that is designed to cater to its audience. Yeah, you know, and then whether that's been politicized or not is seems like everything is. But that's so it's it's very obvious at the micro level that everything is designed. If you if you have a if you have a brand that sells yeah. pants, you're designing and marketing those pants with a certain model and a certain this or that to sell to a certain person. So it's it, that is it's really easy, and you're just saying just keep going further. Just keep extrapolating that out and out and out, and you're going to see the bigger picture as to how it's it's controlled at the top. But at the very least, if someone can can take an an ounce of 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 autonomy back and say, well, at least I know if I know what I'm watching is is one very biased, very curated to, to in order to effectuate some kind of response out of me, at least some kind of response out of me, you can sever that a little bit and you can have a little bit more discretion and autonomy. Yeah, exactly. And that's the key, right? Yeah. Is awareness, understanding of why do I do the things that I do? You know, uh, why have I maybe not achieved things that I wanted to achieve? If I understand the mechanism of how much my, our minds, not just mine, but uh, all of our minds have been hacked and led down a certain path. If I understand that and if I investigate the mechanisms to change that through my own now hypnosis, yeah. right? Putting in the good programs 
and um, and through new repetition, my own repetition, what do I want to achieve? Like you mentioned, you know, for exercise, uh, we need to stay healthy. I need mm-hmm. to exercise. So that's my own repetition. Uh, I mean, you're a what, wonderful we're, Yeah, and we're, we're back to where we started at this idea of a mindset of poverty. And again, if we're looking at the nuggets to take away from this, if you are not satisfied with your life, there, there are simple ways of which you have just described to turn that around. Yeah. Because that dissatisfaction or that box that you're living in, I hate my fucking job, yeah. I hate my fucking commute, I hate that I eat like shit because I feel like shit and all this different stuff. You've been, you've been sort of in many ways pushed into that. And yeah, if you exactly. remove the hand... You're calling it the government. I have inferred to it as the state, et cetera. But yeah. the, all the influences, not just that, the media, et cetera, you remove that hand and you say, wait a second, I am not the sum of these these parts that have been put together and put me in this corner. I can exactly. be whatever I want to be. Yeah. I can be whoever I want to be. I can achieve whatever I want to achieve. Then you liberate yourself and you're no longer in that air quotes, rat race. You're, yeah. you're now yeah, exactly. heading there. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to segue into the last thing I want to talk okay. about today, if you're, if you're cool. Well, I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's only so much of, uh, <laughs> that people can handle in, one, in their first dose. Yeah, and if things it, that it Corey Primus has said to you today have intrigued you... <laughs> Research further. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, yeah, because it's not like I, I don't have a website. Uh, I, this is my research and my exploration, which is important. The basis of it all is seek first the kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. Seek first that that good place. Uh, yeah, it, it, that, that, it was interesting what you said there about when you were talking about and then trust the Father, because some people would interpret that or believe that to be trust the universe and we can I know you don't dig that but let's just yeah. put it there as in saying you you trust the foundation of your home and your family and that you are loved unconditionally for who you are and then you trust that this journey that you're about to go on to into a world that is somewhat of an acquired taste at times and very hard and challenging and, and throws a lot of shit at you if you can go into that with a sense of trust and I have the tools yeah. you can again, air quotes, conquer it, if you will, rise to what it is that you are to become. And this is, that it was a segue into, so when uh, the parenting thing, you know, when I decided to leave home and I decided to hitchhike across the country, you were part of the inspiration in that because you bought me a book about a guy who hitchhiked across the country and I can't remember if I'd said I was going to do it before you bought it or you gave it to me and inspired it. I think it was the latter. And then when I left, you gave me the book, The Artist's Way. And so in a way, I took that, you know, I don't even remember a lot of the parenting from when I was young, but I do remember that good faith gesture of, I trust that you are going to be able to find your way, young one. And I, you know, here's the inspiration mom was mortified at the idea of me hitchhiking you'd given me the literal book that inspired <laughs> it but more than that yeah. you know i think that that it's obvious why you did that and if not you can touch on it but more than that was this artist's way book and it was like now to be creative in the world to go out and find your voice here's one tool 
here's mm. one thing that you used the artist's yeah. way. So I want you to talk a little bit about the artist's way, the book, as a segue to your own pursuit as an artist, as a musician. You are a career musician. I touched about on it briefly in the biography, bio I read at the beginning. You've been playing and, and, and selling and performing music for 40 years, <laughs> right? Yeah. You have been, you have been a, a faithful practitioner of what the Bhagavad Gita would call the work, what Seth Godin, famous marketing guru, would call the practice, what Stephen Pressfield, um, the War of Art, would refer to also similarly as the practice and this commitment to um, utilizing the muse and resisting the darkness of procrastination and I can't do this. You, you, 40 years says that you are a master of this. So, <laughs> so let's, let's just, let's go back to the artist's way and let's just start, what is that and how is it played into your path as, an, as a musician and artist? Uh, I guess in its simplest form, uh, the artist's way is the morning pages, you get up and you write, yeah. right? And f I mean, I did that for a while. I, I had the workbook and, uh, and, I, and I did write. And it's just, it's just coming back to it. You got to keep coming back to it, right? Like um, uh, success or no success, you, if you have something to share, and for me, it's songwriting. Uh, so you keep coming back to it. Like now, it's like, okay, I'm whatever years old, and uh, you know, uh, I haven't necessarily broken through to in a way that I would have hoped to. But I still have music in me, right? So I, it's like, okay, uh, if, I, if I'm just making the music the best way that I can make it so that it, my, my product is developing, but even if I'm just making it so I've made it before I die, then I'm still going to do it. Um, uh, you never know once you do put stuff out there. I mean, you always hope that it would bring in that monetary return and make a living for you. That's always, a, I think, always a desire. It certainly is for me. But um, the, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I, I had an email through, through my website, um, booking.coryprimus.com. <laughs> uh, I had an email from a lady from uh, a Buddhist organization, actually, and uh, I, I probably told you the story, but she, it's a Buddhist recovery network. I forget the name of it, but it's a, they've got a program set up, a, based on Buddhism in this case, but it's a recovery place where people can come who are, are dealing with um, addiction issues and that. And they've got all kinds of programs for them. Never heard of them before until she sent me an, an email. But she had found one of my songs online. I've got a, a song on, which uh, she saw the video, I guess what is, O'Neill and I had made a video for it, for a song called The Middle Way, which is a reference to, not just to the Buddhist middle way path, but... Uh, it, you can find it in scripture as well in, in the Bible, uh, that idea. So anyway, so this song had written uh, and recorded and it's out on Spotify and whatever. But she found it in her search somehow and she used Middleway for one of her classes. So she showed the video um, to her people as they were coming in and whatever, getting settled. And, uh, and she sent me an email about it saying, you know, I'd used it and then thought, oh, I guess I should check if, you know, fair use or whatever, mm -hmm. if I'm allowed to use it. But it was just uh, all of that to say that something reached somebody, mm -hmm. right? Mm 
and nobody I know, and, and she found this and used it, and it's like, okay, that's kind of a, it, and it's, it's, you know, it's not a huge, it's not a huge monetary thing, but at least it reached somebody. Yeah, right? it was like the quote in your website, right? It always comes back to an acoustic guitar and a good song, inject some of your soul and share it to see who you can touch. Yeah. And I mean, you've done that, and you know, I think you say your muse has been sort of your upbringing in the northern, in the northern parts of this this province and this country. But there's a lot of people. You never seemingly lost faith in that. There's still something there, mm-hmm. f- big for you. But the way that I see it is that. The, the the greater accomplishment is that you've never stopped creating and not just creating for yourself. You've never stopped putting it out there. Yeah. I mean, even when you were, I don't know, 50, I, I don't know, when you quit your very good job and just decided to go after this yeah. full time and you've effectively done that ever since, you know, it's not, it's not... Uh, the big festivals, but you're a consistent player <laughs> all over the place, yeah. all the time. But it's hard because it, you know, so whatever. The point being is like, what's the advice? What is the, how, what is the creative process? How are you sh- so diligent at showing up and putting it out? Well, I, I, it's because I recognize that I, that I love it. And, uh, you know, I, I love doing not just love doing it. It feels like something that I that is what I need to share. Uh, apart from sharing all the other uh, <laughs> <laughs> controversial stuff, uh, but but when I play music, like if I play even at a market, mm-hmm. I played at a market a, a I don't know month or so ago, month and a half ago, and you you know you're playing music and. You realize some people sit and they're listening, right? It's a, it's a, it's an open market, but but people do sit down and listen, and and then at the end of it, there's a lady who had uh, she had sat and listened, and she'd walked around, and she kind of kept coming back or whatever, and and she, she came back and she commented about a, a couple of songs. One of them was my own. I can't remember which song it was, and they got interested in the CDs, and but I had also done a song. Uh, kind of a Christmas song by Sting. And she commented on that. And she was a lady from the theater. So she kind of identified with that bit more. It's, it's a bit more of a, not a standard Christmas song. And, but so she identified with it, which, and anyway, so she, her and her husband came up to talk to me and ask about the music and ask about the CDs. And, but they bought a few CDs and, and, you know, uh, and, and so forth. And it was just like, it's just, it's kind of like, okay, I'm I'm reaching somebody still, yeah, you know. Somebody, it's somebody is it's somebody's touching on this now. I may not be the best marketer, and I maybe I can be doing way better, but I know I've I've had validation that, and actually not just the performing aspect of it. I could be doing a cover song, but from my own songs, I've had validation in my own songs in public situations where people just happen to hear them and they, they get excited about them. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, in numerous cases where they've come up and can I buy that? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so it's, it's, it's simple. It's, it's, you know, it's very, it's still humbling, but it, but there's validation. And, um, and I know that I love to do it anyway. I mean, even when I don't seem to make any connection necessarily 
to to whoever's there, or there's just not very many people there. <laughs> and you know, very famous artists have gone through that same thing too, where there's nobody in the audience. So I'm not alone in that. But but when you do make the connection, and um, either way, it's just like I feel right in doing this. I always feel inspired to write another song, and and then it's okay. Well, if I've written a song. What can I do? How can I record it? And at least mm-hmm. if it's out there, at least it's out there. I didn't just say whatever and get mm-hmm. bitter. I mean, I could get bitter. There, there's it's hard not to. It's hard not to get bitter. It's hard not to. And it's hard not your, to struggle with just line. giving up. Yeah. But, but you haven't. But I, I haven't. And that's the th- I guess that's the thing is whatever it is, just you've got to keep showing up. I remember I told you about this. I don't know. You probably knew who they were. It was Anvil. Yes, or yes, this yeah. is Anvil, the famous yeah. documentary about the struggling, once very famous, but then struggling heavy metal band, yeah. who've had a bit of a second or third coming yeah. now with the re-release of this documentary. Yeah, and they, you know, he, the lead singer said, you know, he would be doing this no matter what. They yeah. would be doing it together no matter what. Yeah. And his view of success for an artist was the ability to continue to create, not to have the hit yeah, or the thing that you, yeah. you're known for, because that is kind of a flash in the pan. It's not the artist way. It's not the creative life of yeah. creativity if it's just the one thing. Now, that's not to say if somebody's a hit, they stop creating, but in that you know, he was saying, and that's... You could just ride on that. Yeah. Well, what's the example of that is about a boy, right? With... Um, yeah, the, uh, the Hugh Grant, Hugh the Grant, Christmas right? he, His yeah. life was this father's <laughs> hit Christmas song, right? And that was it. It was just, he was just riding on it. But... Uh, Didn't look like too bad of a life. No. <laughs> well, that's the payoff yeah. part, which you kind of hope would happen, some kind of... But what's what's the... You know, this is one of the last few questions I'm going to ask here. Is like, what is one of the last, sorry, not last, what is one of the, um, or your creative process in general, when you sit down to write a song, something's come to you, been inspired, you know, your canvas being what, and then getting the thing done. Because that's where a lot of people yeah. get hung up. They don't get the thing done and write yeah. the damn song. Right. right write the book, write the blog, write the whatever. Yeah. Well, what I mean, whatever, it's a snippet at first. Phones are nice now because you can put on the, you know, the, the re- go into the record on your phone and you can hum out an idea or sing a few words and, and, and kind of say, okay, this is what I'm thinking right now. It's, it's, mm-hmm. I'm feeling this kind of a groove and, and here's a bit of a line from it. So there's that, which is a, a help. So whatever is something that you may never turn into a song, but it might, or, or you write it down, you get this, lyrical idea flowing in your head and you so you write it down so you carry the the journal i mean so it's always kind of that uh some some idea floating out there and it feels authentic and like you're not necessarily ripping somebody else off you just get some kind of an idea and uh and you start i for me i i play with it i what what does this mean what is this going to look like and i might fashion it into a couple of lines of a song and in some cases it can just keep flowing and it can turn into just about a whole song. In other cases, parts of it might come now, parts of it later. So it's just, I put it down and if it sticks with me, I might keep working it right away. And and if I can work it into a full demo of a song, I'll put out the lyrics. So then I've got the lyrics as a reference uh, and I might have the whole song sung into my phone. But then after that is, do I want to come back to it, mm-hmm. right? So you, you put 
lay those seeds and then do I want to come back to it? And if I if it sticks with me over years, and I've just been going through this some some songs that I've never recorded, they're not new songs, but one of them is newer, a couple of them, but some of them are older, but I've never recorded them, but they've stuck with me, and I keep thinking, yes, I would like to record those, mm-hmm. and um, so then it, from there it's like, d- will I have an opportunity to? Uh, can I make an opportunity to record them in some way? I do some of that. I mean, I'm not recording is not my, I'm not an engineer type of a person um, uh, necessarily, but I can do the basics so I can track, I can put down basic tracks of my ideas, some guitar, some vocal, piano, whatever, even a, just a drum program. So I can shape a song as well if I really feel strongly about it going in a certain direction. Uh, I can do that, a bit of shaping, and then I can take those tracks into a into a studio do you have a routine around it where <clears throat> every day you, know, you wake up whatever ride the bike and you try and finish whatever was the inspiration from the previous night or is it not really a routine? I, I don't have a routine not no. uh not not in the moment i used to find that when when i would um well and i still can but Going for walks a lot of times is when an idea would come to me. Oh, yeah. And that's a challenge because I don't br- like to bring my phone if I go for a walk or obviously I'm not carrying it. Yeah, and then anything. you're holding on to that. So then I'm like, okay, I want to remember this to the end. I got to get back. I yeah. have that all the time. Yeah. All the time. So, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I mean, it's just a matter of uh, there's no specific routine like getting up in the morning and writing mm-hmm. or anything like that. But it's just if the idea sticks with me and, and eventually it'll turn into a song and then it's just whether or not I can... Uh, turn it into something um what you do yeah yeah equilibrium was the last full-length album mm-hmm. and uh that was a stuff that o'neill and i had worked on o'neill's our br- my brother by the way yes <laughs> uh and it was he wanted it to be something a little more acoustic based i always turn it into more of a full production just because that's i think of the songs it oftentimes in bigger mm-hmm. productions so Equilibrium was a compilation of stuff that we had been jamming and, and it kind of working together. Newer stuff and some older stuff brought it up. And yeah, so it was just like, okay, can we turn this into something? And went through that same process. I recorded a bunch of it at home and then I took it into studio. And How many do you have now? Six CDs? Oh, I don't even remember. Yeah, seven? Uh, six or seven. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, you know, it's again, it's just... It's, All it's, available. <laughs> well, you'll get a chance okay. to do that in like a second here because we're going to wrap up. But yeah. that's, you know, I think it, it, is, it is an inspiration to have, you know, talk about parenting and talking about being the role model, if you will. You know, mom, maybe from the fitness side or whatever, from the go-getter side on mm-hmm. business. And then you, as a consistent artist created without probably knowing it. And, you know, I know what it feels like to be pissed off and bitter about your art not being received as you think it will be based on what you put into the thing and how good it felt to get it out. And then it's like, you know, you're in this sea of a gazillion things and sometimes it's just hard to, to be heard. It's a whole nother, right. right? Uh, The marketing side of it. But that has taught me the the importance of just doing and continuing to pursue one's art, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, it, it, 
what other way than to I mean as long as you can let go and say I'm okay without it. Yeah. But it, yeah, but that I, that could be a path. Yeah. It, absolutely it can be a path and the other path is that if you're here to p- give what you have in the song inside of you metaphorically speaking mm-hmm. then I think you owe it to your life to give it. Yeah. At least a couple of times, right? So that yeah. it's it's there but last question and if nothing, then we'll move on to where they can find you, which is just, was there anything I didn't ask you um, that you wanted to say and or revisit, uh, resummarize if I cut you? Well, it's like you said, there's so much to unpack. There's so many roads to go down. And how do we, how do we simplify that in a way? That's actually, that's a funny thing. Because I've been thinking about that, all these different things we talked about, even in this, you know, Neville Goddard, Jason Kristoff, Bruce Lipton, just that stuff that I've been looking at and being influenced by. And, and you mentioned some, some of the books I know that I've shared to the, uh, mm-hmm. um, the war, uh, war of Art. The War of Art, I think. Yeah, the pra- so all the of this stuff that has influenced. Yeah. Yeah. And the question is, how do I synthesize that mm-hmm. and, and move forward? Because you can go down any rabbit hole, right? And, uh, and, but what, what is my thing? How do I take the valuable information and live it and, and move forward? And, and what am I doing? I mean, for me, so for me, that comes back to music. Mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like music is something that I have to share, so... Mm-hmm. So uh, all that other stuff got to be a part of it somehow, whether it comes out in the, in the songs a little bit or a lot, or just in the way that I live. But I continue forward with doing music to whatever way that I can, mm-hmm. while I can. But yeah, the synthesis of all of this stuff. So uh, there was so much information there that we've that we've shared. And uh, is there anything that uh, maybe maybe in a future podcast or whatever, if I can remember what I missed? The, I mean, the takeaway thing is. Um, Definitely the, the family thing, the love piece of it, we are called to love, and uh, I believe we're called to, to know God and to experience God. That's what's driving us inside. Even when we think it's driving us maybe to be a musician or to, to mm-hmm. write this thing, that creativity, ultimately all the hunger, uh, all of life is an appeasement of hunger. But the greatest hunger, which we don't realize it, is our hunger to know our Father who mm-hmm. created us. I think that's the greatest hunger and the other ones are all can be fine and can be good, but it's getting to know that deeper hunger. And if people are hungry to know more of your work, <laughs> please, <laughs> where are the places that they can find your music and more about you and, and yeah, well, I'm on, I'm on all the platforms, Spotify, uh, Amazon. So whenever I release music, uh, everything I've released is, has gone out into all of these uh, platforms, Spotify. Uh, and I, I put up a lot of videos, especially for this last album, Equilibrium. Uh, lots of videos on YouTube. So if they look up Corey Primus uh, mm-hmm. on YouTube, they can find um, the album Equilibrium and or the song Equilibrium. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and you can certainly find it all through my website, coreyprimus.com. Uh, yeah, all there. Lots of YouTube videos, music yeah. videos. Um, yeah, definitely check it out. I know he's my dad, but his music's awesome. And that's that's <laughs> the hard part, right? Is, is, oh, he's your dad, whatever. He's probably a crap musician, but is, is getting, <laughs> you make, hopefully make good product, good art. You know you're Well, all the best art. musicians are, Somebody, they got kids too. Yeah, <laughs> but is to is when if, when people actually hear it yeah. and they go, oh, 
this actually is good, right? Yeah. It's getting people to that point. So, so go and listen to it or go and watch that's it. That's the standard. Oh, yeah. that's not shit. Yeah, that's <laughs> I right. I was expecting shit. <laughs> that's right. That's a little better than shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. I, I'm, really, I'm really grateful you took the time to share and share so honestly, which is tough to do. If I get canceled, then <laughs> <laughs> it's my fault. <laughs> no, it's Take fine. full responsibility. Um, different than mom's. But uh, contrast that would be two. interesting. I haven't seen hers, but uh, it was you know, mom. Yeah. Um, but thank you. I enjoyed yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, my my pleasure. It's it's good to share. You know what we we need to do that. We need to talk about things, but also to uh, delve into the truth as well. As always, thanks so much for listening to the ramble. You no, know, there is a lot of podcasts out there, so we thank you for choosing to listen all the way through on this one. You know, we want to be part of the the solution, the the good questions, the things that move you and inspire you, and make you want to connect deeper with yourself and others, and all that great stuff. So, if the spirit does move you, subscribe, share, post anything. We be forever grateful and if you have any comments or feedback good bad ugly it doesn't matter we're here to listen guests you think we should have on of course send them along thank you and until next time peace hey thanks so much for making it to the end of the podcast i know that my self and of course my guests really appreciate you listening all the way through you know, they put a lot of time into their projects and their ideas and and you know, they're very thoughtful with how they they bring themselves and show up on the show. And so I'm really grateful that, uh, that you've listened all the way through. You know, we don't have ads on the show, I think. I don't think Red Circle's running ads. But I wanted to take just a quick second to say that, hey, if the spirit moves you, you know, this podcast can be brought to you by some of the wild, fun, wacky, creative things I do. I always try and stay in the practice of creativity, whether that's writing or working on films or uh, just about anything. I, I try and be very diligent that I'm I'm doing it consistently. And so, you know, as a result of that, I put some things out and and I'd love for you to check them out. You know, one is uh, Getting Naked, The Bare Necessities of Entrepreneurship and Startups. That's my book and you can get it anywhere where books are sold online like Amazon or Barnes and Nobles or Indigo. And uh, it's the story of my company, Naked Underwear, the first company I started that went from a failed attempt on Dragon's Den, um, your, that's your shark tank in America, to the NASDAQ and was eventually divested. And it has a ton of tips and ideas for startups, very practical advice, but it's always also interwoven with my own story, which I think entrepreneurs and creatives and artists can really, uh, would really relate to, uh, you know, has almost 155 ish star, four and a half star reviews. And I think people, if you're going through, you know, a startup needs some motivation, needs some ideas, just want to feel like, Hey, there's a kindred spirit out there. You know, it's a great book to check out. Also, you can check out my blog at joelprimus.com forward slash blog, where I write a couple of blogs a month about a variety of topics, a lot of stuff on fitness, things like how to know when to quit, a lot of personal development, psychedelics, all kinds of things. Everything's written from a personal lens. And, uh, you know, it's just a great way to digest a little bit of hopefully fun and helpful and inspiration. And of course, keep checking out this podcast, The Ramble on the Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever your podcatcher of choice is. Thanks again and have an awesome day, week, month, whatever it is.